Welcome back to the Dr. Supercoach podcast. You're on once again with Chizo, and uh, we've got some strapping holding pistol together because uh, you dislocated your shoulder this week, mate. Tell us about that. <laughs> no, no, it's all good. It's all, uh, I'll be out for a, a little bit, but we're, we're all fine and Let's let's focus on Supercoach, the the most important matters at hand. So the the interesting thing for me is it actually a uh, you know is it a Nick Rewalt injury where it's like a two to six weeks and suddenly he's back within like ten days, or is it going to be uh, you know a, a Gary Ablett shoulder injury where you know he's out for you know the next three seasons he gets affected. <laughs> uh, hopefully I'll be right for next week you'll be right cross. for next week okay well we'll check in with you later and see how that's going I know you're up to your eyeballs on painkillers and anti-inflammatory so uh, we'll jump straight into the news here mate um, interesting Dusty Martin and Cripps both this week have been reported to have facial fractures from uh, uh, impacts during their, their round two games both are named mate so that, that that's promising for owners the one thing that probably interests me is uh, how their um, their injuries are going to affect their relevant roles. Do we see Dusty, uh, for example, playing a lot more forward this week? Yeah, I think Dustin Martin's a good chance of going forward, especially with Ben Griffiths out with a concussion. So I think he's going to rest a bit more forward because they're going to need to kick goals, and he's the one that can do it. So for me, Dusty, especially, he's already got these other issues. He'll He'll be playing forward this week. And I don't think Carlton can use Cripps forward because if they don't use Cripps in the midfield, they're not winning the ball. Pretty much simple as that. Yeah, it's interesting. Cripps is one of those guys that you um, he definitely is not in the same dusty mold where he can just go forward and you know kick a few snags and be um, in influence and attack. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how they use him. Um, jumping into some more news, uh, Sean Dempster forced to retire after repeated concussions. There, pistol. That's the a true battler um, and played a lot of uh, great roles for the Saints down back. It's sad that to see another player that has their their career cut short from uh, concussions. Yeah, after Heredia Lumumba left because concussions, um, it's sad that this is now becoming a thing in the modern day game. A lot of head knocks, a lot of hard hits, and I think uh, it's only the first couple, but I'm sure there'll be more in the future, unfortunately. Um, he did manage to get 222 games. We need Richie Benno for that kind of symmetry. Um, but he was definitely weighing it up uh, coming into the season. So, um, you know, he, he's had a long decorated career. He was a premiership player for Sydney in 2005 before he came over to the Saints in 2007. And he's had a, uh, you know, a fantastic career. And we only, you know, we wish him the best. But it's, it is really sad to see someone to go down with uh, a concussion, particularly with all the head knocks that we're seeing in the game today. Um, another bit of news that has just come out in uh, recent times here, Pistol, uh, Gary Ablett being interviewed has suggested that this season could be his last on on the footy show tonight, mate. Yeah, that's huge. I did not expect that tonight. Um, that's crazy. If the great man walks away at the end of this year, I feel like we're getting cut short. Um, I think he still had a lot more to give. So fingers crossed he plays on, but by the, he, what he said, it, it doesn't seem very likely. Yeah, well, it's quite clearly family, family issues and he wants to go back uh, to Geelong so he's kind of caught in a rock and a hard place situation where he's got this contract to 2018 obviously some circumstances have changed and he you know he desperately wants to to be living back in Geelong or you know um, to be back with his family more but because he's got this contract he might be faced with the option of 
you know, either retiring at the end of 2017 and as a way to come back home so that, you know, the whole trade period doesn't become an issue. Yeah, I think I don't think he's one to retire and then wait a whole year and then come and play for Geelong in 2019. I think when he says he's done, I don't think we'll be seeing any more Gaz. It'd be a very sad way to see a champion go out that like that. So, yeah, hopefully for him things pick up soon. The worst thing for me is, you know, he's arguably the, arguably the best player since his dad. So, you know, this is a he's been so phenomenal that it's it's really difficult to kind of comprehend. Like we have such high standards for Gary that even when he play, he plays slightly down, um, say take his games last year, he was still the third highest averaging super coach player last year, and we consider that such a failure of a year by his standards. And it's really sad to see um, his career kind of tailing off like this because it's a, we, without being. Um, you know, being too dramatic, it's kind of putting a little bit of a, a question mark or a tarnish kind of on the legacy that he, he's built over his entire career, Pistol. Oh, that's a big call. Uh, <laughs> Cheezer goes bang, but <laughs> let's... Uh, no, I think we've said everything that needs to be said. Should we go into some team news? Yeah, we'll jump into the teams, mate. Um, I'll kick it off with uh, the Sydney Swans and Collingwood. This will be an absolutely great game. few wins for both both teams, not really relevant on the Collingwood side. You've got Trav Varco, Levi Greenwood uh, coming in for James Aish and Jared Blair. Uh, on the Sydney side of things, Jordan Dawson, Jordan Foote and Callum Sinclair come in for the expense of Harry Cunningham, uh, Jeremy Laidler and Kurt Tippett. Uh, Jordan Foote was one of the uh, the kind of rookies that we were looking at in the preseason, 180k or so. So it'd be interesting to see what his job security is like. Um, Dawson Foot, Robbie Fox, and Callum Sinclair all named on the interchange there, mate. Yeah, it's good to see Nick Newman get another game, and he's actually seemingly displaced Jeremy Laidler, who was omitted. So Nick Newman's starting in the back pocket, which is great news for our fantasy uh, teams, and Will Haywood as well named in the forward pocket. Hopefully he can keep um, getting a gig at least until Papley or Heaney come back, which I think is going to be quite soon. Yeah, Nick Newman, um, really, really good. I, we wish he kind of played round one because now we're, you know, we're stuck in a situation where you know, you might have Mitch Hibbert in the back line, but you might also not have Caleb Marchbank. So, you know, do you wait a week and get Nick Newman if he's, he's named for round four, or do you jump on Caleb Marchbank right now? Like, it, it, it is causing us a few headaches this early in the season, but definitely good to see that he's getting another game. Jump into the North and the Giants there, mate. So, a little bit of big news for North Melbourne. Um, Goldstein comes in, so literally big news. And <laughs> Scott D. Thompson with a suspension uh, going out. And Jai Simkin, which will hurt a few, is also out. Uh, Sam Durden comes in for his first game as well. So, another cash cow option. Another forward because we didn't have enough of them. And uh, no change for the GWS Giants. Yeah, so Tim Taranto is still on the interchange. Uh, no Matt Kennedy for those that put a bit too much faith in him. Um, Sam Durden play has been playing a kind of a defensive role. Um, do you see him kind of rolling through the back line for you know to to help compensate for Scott Thompson? Yeah, he certainly does. I'm not sure his job security, given Scott T. Thompson is coming back, and there's a couple of. Um, 
decent defenders waiting in the wings for North Melbourne. I think it's going to be a revolving door the whole year for North, to be honest. Yeah, I think that's a lot with uh, with most of their uh, their rookies. It could be a revolving door. So uh, even though they do have all these spots from all the veterans retiring, we, we really can't really pencil any any of these guys into a, a big game. Um, and we can like pretty much you know bank them on being a decent rookie for us with job security. So we'll jump into uh, Richmond and West Coast Eagles. Really good looking game for this one here, Pistol. Uh, in comes Lewis Jetta for Dom Sheed on the West Coast side. Uh, Richmond side, Camden, McIntosh and Todd Eldon. Uh, out goes Ben Griffiths and Shane Edwards. Nothing really fantasy relevant there uh, from the ins and outs perspective. Uh, great to see that Toby Nankervis is, uh, is a number one ruck again there, Pistol. Yeah, great. Gets a gig against uh, Giles as well, so hopefully he'll be able to move him around the ground, get a couple of tackles and possessions, and pop out a third ton in a row. That'd be fantastic if uh, Nank the Tank can do that. Also, Dan Butler does get his third game, which is very good fantasy news for owners, and I'm sure there's a lot of them out there. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, Toby Nankervis really should put up some an awesome score against uh, basically Nathan Vardy and Jonathan Giles, hey? <laughs> you thinking a VC option maybe? It could be sneaky one, mate. It could be sneaky one. We know that it is a little bit difficult to find a, a relevant VC this week, particularly because uh, our our floating donut at at R three with the uh, the Sterndicker is uh, playing virtually the same time as Dangerfield. So you know if you if you were thinking of going a Dangerfield VC, you could be locking in that that VC accidentally without noticing it. Do you want to jump into Geelong Cats in Melbourne there, mate? Yeah, sure. So there's a lot of changes for both sides. Um, fantasy relevant ones, not so much. However, uh, Manjola manages to come into the Cats side and doesn't displace Parfit, which we thought would happen. Instead, Rhys Stanley, um, Josh Cowan and Darcy Langer omitted and George Holland-Smith hurts his hand. Um, and Zach Smith, Cameron Guthrie come in and James Parsons, a first gamer, very unexpectedly comes into that uh, Geelong side. Wasn't rated particularly highly in this year's prospectus. Um, they said he is not a chance for 2017, so they've been proved uh, incorrect very early on the season. Um, he is a 117k rookie, so one to watch. On the Melbourne side, um, Angus Brayshaw was omitted. Hogan is suspended, as is Lewis. So Bernie Vince comes back for those that held him. Uh, Tim Smith and Dean Kent are in. Tim Smith is another forward option. He is bargain basement price, 102k, but I don't expect him to stay long in the side given Hogan only got two weeks. I think, Chizo, the biggest news from this whole match is that even though Jesse Hogan was suspended, they decided not to bring in Jake Spencer. So I think Max Gorn is probably safe. Throw away the keys, locks, number one ruck this year. If you have him, well done. If you don't have him, going to have to get him in because they have the chance to bring in Spencer and they didn't do it, which to me just screams Gorn is safe. They're not going to be playing um, two rucks at any stage this year. You've pretty much summed it up there perfectly there, Pistol. Um, very good number one ruck-looking option. Um, Dockers and Bulldogs, there's uh, Toby McLean coming in for Stuart Cramery on the dock, dog side. The Dockers side, there's a, a mountain of changes here, Pistol. Uh, give me a second to run through them all. In comes Ethan Hughes, Tommy Sheridan, Brady Gray, Harley Ballack, forward bid that we've been harping on a little bit during the preseason. Griffin Logue, um, pick number eight from last year. Hayden Crozier comes in as well. Out goes Cameron Sutcliffe, Darcy Tucker, Daniel Pierce, Zach Dawson. That's the big one. Uh, Nick Subin and Jonathan 
Griffin. So Harley Ballack and Griffin Logue uh, picked for their first AFL games. Um, mate, it, it, it kind of seems like the Dockers uh, have realised they need to start a proper rebuild and they're, they're going to give some games to these uh, these younger blokes here, Pistol. Um, particularly Harley Ballack, it really does look like we could have a few options coming through as downgrades possibly. Yeah, looking at this squad, I think uh, Ross Lyon said, all right, we need to drop the players that didn't perform, and then he decided to cut the entire team. (laughs) So uh, Harley Ballack getting a gig is unbelievable news. I'm really happy about that, given everyone was really hot on him in the preseason. Um, He's dominated in the waffle. We said last week he got 30 touches as well. So uh, coming in at 123K as a mid-forward rookie, he's one I'm super excited about getting, um, hopefully in a couple of weeks. Yeah, absolutely, and he's he's going to be one of those guys that um, play a little bit half forward and get a run on ball because I think he's averaging thirty touches in the waffle, about you know five tackles, ten marks. He's just uh, absolutely killing it over there. I can't wait to see what he can do. And uh, he was one of the guys that um, kind of slid in his draft a couple years ago. He's uh, a fantastic player, so one to keep an eye out on. Um, we'll jump into uh, Port Adelaide and the Crows there for me, champion. Yeah, not too many changes here. Uh, Hamish Hartlick does come in, though, with uh, Jack Homsch out with a knee injury. It's good to see Dan Houston uh, retain a spot in that uh, back pocket. However, Pittard is not back yet, so yet to be seen what happens when Pittard does get recalled. Uh, For the Crows side, Lever is in for Jenkins, who is injured. Um, Otten does stay in the side, which we're worried because Lever has come in. However, I expect Otten to play as a forward in Jenkins' absence, so it's not quite at the stage where they're going to have to pick between their key defenders and one of them's going to get uh, the chop. Not sure which one still. So yeah, a couple of nervous rookies make it through this week, and it will be exciting to see what happens with all those rookies next week. Yeah, Jake Lever, um, I just want to touch on first, he's definitely going to be playing in the back line. When you've got Kyle Hardigan, Brody Smith, Daniel Talia, Luke Brown, and Rory Laird in there, you really do, you know, even based on last week's game, it does suggest that Andy Otten's going to be that um, that forward with pinch hits in the ruck. Um, it does kind of worry me a little bit about his job security because Josh Jenkins is going to come back next week, and that's the week where we're going to find out whether it's, you know, he or Jake Kelly that's going to be dropped um, in that back line. After a week last week where he put up over a ton, with all the guys that all the all the coaches that are probably going to train him in their pistol, they didn't start with him. It's just going to be horrible if we only get one more week out of him. Oh, one week now. It's better than him not getting this week. So at least he's going up in price. If you don't have him, I'm not entirely sure I would be trading him in this week just because the risk is so high. Um, and it's, I mean, massive risk-reward scenario, but for me, it's way too risky. So if you don't have him, I don't think I would be looking to get him, especially with Nick Newman and other um, backmen looking like better options at this yeah. stage. Interesting. All right, we'll jump into St Kilda and Brisbane. Uh, Rewalt, his six-week, season-long, however-long injury that he was supposedly have, he's basically just taken a week off. Uh, Billy Longer, Ben Long comes in uh, for his first game, and Jack Sinclair, Jack Stephen out with a punctured lung. Ben Long, another backline rookie there, mate. Uh, he he's uh, played well in the VFL. Uh, he's one to keep an eye out on. Um, 
On the B, Brisbane side, Jared Berry, Hugh McCluggage, uh, Josh Shackey, Clay Beams, and Liam Dawson on an extended bench. Uh, out goes Ryan Bastak and Ryan Harwood, both omitted. Uh, Jared Berry and Hugh McCluggage absolutely killed it on the weekend uh, in the kneeful. So did uh, Clay Beams. I think uh, Jared Berry put up 30 touches, uh, kicked a goal, took 12 marks. He was just absolutely everywhere, uh, playing across the half-back with stints in the midfield. So, you know, he's another... Uh, Another, you've got um, Nick Newman, Ben Long, um, Jared Berry, these kind of guys. We've got all these backline rookies we want to come in at like round eight, round nine, and, you know, they're all all coming at the start of the, start of the season here, Pistol. It's, uh, uh, we might even be forced to miss out on a few of these guys. Yeah, it's a bit too early. Hopefully, Ben Long actually doesn't get the nod this week because he is named on the extended interchange. Um, he is also forward and defender uh, eligible. He has um, DPP for both. So he could be a good option to downgrade in a couple of weeks if he doesn't get a gig now because he's close knocking on the door. But Jared Berry's named in the center uh, with McCluggage on the wing as well. So all these options, as you said, way too soon. We're going to have to probably snag a couple of them, given most people have a Hibbert situation, or we'll see. We'll see what happens with um, Barrett and Pickett as well. I uh, should mention Barrett is named on the extended interchange, and it's not looking fantastic for him. Uh, Tom Bell and Buick are there, which I expect to remain, and then the two players that have to stay from Barrett, Clay Beams, Liam Dawson, Michael Close, Ryan Lester. It's going to be tough. I don't know who gets the nod, but I'm not entirely convinced that Barrett is going to get a gig this week. Yeah, interesting. We're in the same kind of situation uh, for Jake Barrett as we are with Jared Pickett with the uh, Essendon-Carlton game. Take us through that one. So, Carlton uh, have lost Armfield, he's omitted, and uh, Carriage. <laughs> I love McKay. how you said he, 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 they lost him. <laughs> they, he, they booted he's him out electively. He's actually still wandering around somewhere. <laughs> he's actually physically lost. Um, they drove him to a different suburb field, and just right? kicked him out of the team bus. So, he's, well, yeah, he's wandering around the field. We've got Carriage, McKay, Palmer, Williamson in on the extended interchange. Pickett is on that extended interchange as well, so I'm not entirely sure that he's also going to get a game. I think uh, Reese Palmer, it's probably going to be between Palmer and Pickett uh, who gets a gig for, for this week. On the Essendon side, we've got Hartley being omitted, Ben Howlett being hamstrung, so he's out. In with Mitch Brown, Lewin Berger, Heath Hocking, James Stewart, Matt D. Um, most of them are on the interchange bench, except Lewin Berger steps straight into the ruck, so... I am expecting uh, Sean McKenna to be dropped. Other than that, it's possible um, James Stewart gets the first game. What do you think, Chizo, as a bomber supporter? I don't think James Stewart is going to get a game. If, on, on the extended bench, you've got Andrew McGrath, he'll play. The Paz, Darcy Parrish, the Enigma, he'll play. Marty Gleeson is really important, running a fair half-back line. He's going to play. And then you've got Kyle Langford, which um, he's definitely going to play. He's a, a big body that can run from uh, one end of the ground to the other. Sean McKernan will get dropped. Matty D will be a backup. And so will James Stewart be on the the uh, the emergencies list. The, I, I don't think he's um, going to get a game this early, which is it's kind of okay. Um, I did kind of expect that he would be starting along Joe Danaher. I really do like James Stewart, so it's interesting that they're electing to run with, a, 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 say, a Mitch Brown at half forward over um, the, the likes of James Stewart. So uh, I'm not really sure what to make of that, but at least it gives us some sort of a downgrade option down the track there, mate. So they've lost 
Hartley, and then they're bringing in Mitch Brown in the forward line. Is that correct? Well, that's where they've named him. I'm not entirely sure that's where they're going to play. I mean, um, for example, they've got Brent Stanton playing in the back pocket. He wouldn't know how to tag someone or line up against an opposition in his lifetime. All he ever did was run around, try and find space, and then just as soon as he got the ball, kick it as high and long as he could in any direction (laughs) he was facing. So, um, you know, it's just a team sheet. Don't really take you know they've got Zach Merritt in the forward pocket. Um, I'm, he's definitely not going to be staying there for very long. No, so you're saying you're 100 percent certain Darcy Parish isn't going to get dropped this week. Yeah, okay, yeah, very funny. Uh, jump into the last <laughs> game of the round, there, mate. We've got Gold Coast and Hawthorne champion. So uh, Kalamachi is out for Gold Coast Suns, and in comes uh, Harbrow, uh, Matira, Jesse Lonigan, and Fiorini are on the extended interchange bench. Grant Birchall goes out with a jaw injury. He's out for four to eight weeks, so you probably have to trade him if you do have him. Uh, White Cross comes in. Sicily, Hartung, and Caden Brand are on the bench. Um, yeah, it's good to see uh, T. Miles still. His name's on the extended interchange, but I expect he's going to play. Um, and I think the surprise pack from last week was Ryan Burton. He uh, put up 104. He's priced at 254k. Um, what are your thoughts about Ryan Burton, Chizo? Well, you and I actually highlighted him on, on the pod last week saying that he was definitely one to keep out on and uh, keep a, an eye out for. Like, what better week was it for him to come and put up a, a big ton? He slid down into the draft into the, the late teens after um, a leg fracture. But from all reports, he was going to be a top 10, top 5 option um, in that draft had he not had that injury. So the Hawks have uh, got someone to kind of build around in the back line. He's, he's definitely not just a sole backman. He... Um, a very, very versatile, the, you know, the new age AFL player that can play forward and can play back. Um, so the Hawks have got a, a really good one there, um, particularly with his rising uh, star nomination. Uh, Tia Miles, really interesting that they've elected to keep him, particularly with, you know, Luke Hodge and, and uh, you know, even a Ryan Burton playing in the back line again that's taking up another spot. Um, do you reckon Grant Birchall coming out helps him keep his kind of half-back role running through the, the wing there, Pistol? Yeah, I think they're going to be choosing between him and White Cross this week. So I think Miles, they got to give uh, some young guns some games. And he didn't look half bad. I mean, he did enough, probably just enough. So if he can just build on it this week, I guess it's a easier opponent this week than last week. Yeah, um, might give the kid some confidence and hopefully he can stay in the side, at least for the duration of Birchall's injury and make some people some cash. One of the big things that we've glossed over, we've got Gary Ablett named in the guts, mate. <laughs> well, team sheet doesn't matter. I think one wise man just <laughs> said before. No, he's uh, for all this forward talk. I think they've realised that they just can't use him as a forward because the ball's not going to get there without him in the midfield. <laughs> no, he's definitely been playing as a uh, midfielder, and I expect that to stay the same. Yeah. All right, mate. That wraps up the teams. We'll jump into uh, the cancer council. We'll have a quick look at how everything's running over there. We're over five hundred dollars, which is fantastic. Um, and one of our uh, our donators this week is uh, Finn. Young 15-year-old that is uh, keeping track of everything going on. Um, really, really good to hear from you, Finn. We've actually got your team that we're going to team review, uh, Pistol, so we might as well um, jump into that straight away. What do you reckon? Sure, yeah. His uh, team name's uh, Young Guns FC. He's doing very well at the moment, ranked uh, 2,274. Um, he sent us a picture of his team 
having made one trade, not sure we're going to be happy with it, so we might have to discuss some other options. But basically, it's a very good um, starting team. Just run th- running through it quickly. It's got Laird, Doherty, Howe, Marchbank, Otten, Hampton with Stewart and Hibbert on the bench. Uh, Dangerfield, Selwood, Fife, JPK, Beams, Trelaw, Omira, Powell Pepper, midfield with Barrett, Parfit, Pickett on the bench. Whitson Sandilands currently in the ruck with um, your man uh, Strain Dicker on the bench. <laughs> uh, Nankervis, Franklin, Dalhouse, Steele, Hoskinelli, and Taranto in the forward line with Butler and Hannon on the bench. The one trade he said is made this week already is Roughhead to Jared Witts with uh, 205k now in the bank. Now, do you think that is the best option for him this week, Chiso? It's not in my opinion. I just want to highlight. Um, Finn is ranked 2,274th, and his worst performing premium is Adam Trelaw, only averaging uh, averaging low hundreds. When you know, if he if his uh, dream team and Supercoach scores were you know on par with each other, he could probably even be winning the competition if that pick had actually come off. You know, he's uh, Trelaw averaging like one twenty five, one thirty in dream team. He's uh, I really like this team. There's nothing that I would change at this this respect. He do, we were talking about it before. He wants to get rid of Roughhead because he picked him as a premium, and he, he his role is not. Um, conducive to premium numbers this year, Finn says. Um, and so for that reason, his ceiling's not going to be as high. And so not being a keeper, I'm going to get rid of him before his, uh, before prices change. The thing for me here, Pistol, is that you've got Jared Roughhead totally underperforming what everyone expected, still averaging high 70s, nearly 80, after coming back from a year off. And he's still going to make money next week. Why... Why would you get rid of him? We're getting all these inboxes of people saying, oh, I'm going to get rid of Roughhead to get Will Hoskin Elliott because I don't have enough money to go uh, and Mitch Hannon up to him. Or, you know, everyone, everyone's kind of losing their head saying they need to get Will Hoskin Elliott in. For me, I wouldn't probably go a Roughhead. He's got a forward line of Nankervis, Franklin, um, Roughhead, Dalhouse, Steele, and Tim Taranto. Of all, you know, Tim Taranto's not probably set the world on fire as much as as everyone expected. I'd almost be tempted to go Tim Taranto to whisk Will Hoskin Elliott and have Roughhead staying in my team because he can only get better. He's got Gold Coast this week. Yes, he's playing less time in the midfield, but if he starts, you know, bagging a couple goals, his score's going to bounce back fine. Like, you've just got to have faith in a premium from previous years. He's probably not going to average 100 like we want him to, but... I could very easily see him from this point to the end of the season going 85. Look, I think people also forget he's projected to go up about 30K um, this week, I think, off the top of my head. But he's also playing Gold Coast. So if he pops out a big score, which he's very capable of doing, especially against Gold Coast, who uh, defense, let's say, is a little bit leaky, he just needs one really good score this week and he's going to go up for the next three weeks and then he's going to make as much as maybe a Tim Taranto anyway. So I think... Um, trading Taranto to Wits instead of Roughhead to Wits might be the best idea. I know you've got the money in your bank, Finn, as well, so you could do that. Definitely take that into consideration. I th- I, I personally would keep um, Roughhead over Taranto, but we're getting a lot of uh, people asking the same question. It is highly dependent on your team and what you can do with the extra money, and if you have got an extra trade that you need to do, like maybe getting a Primo or a March Bank or some failed experiment that you need to correct. 
In this case, um, Finn doesn't have one. So for me, I'd just be doing Taranto to Wits if that's your, your biggest problem. All right, I think that pretty much sums it up very well there, Pistol. Um, I'm kind of on your aspect there that I would probably keep Roughhead and get Taranto out for a Jared Witts. Um, similar kind of price, but much better cash generation with Jared Witts, and he's shown that he's a, a pretty reliable R2. Um, so we'll jump into my section, Cheezo's Tasty Trades. It ain't easy being cheesy. All right, so the number one trade this week that every's, on everyone's lips is Will Hoskin Elliott Pistol. He's going to average 104 for the season to be a keeper, isn't he? <laughs> I would wish he would do that, but no, unfortunately, that is uh, an over-exaggeration. Well, it is an over-exaggeration. I'm kind of making a joke out of it, but there's literally coaches out there that are seeing his him as the next white knight of their team, and they're expecting these kind of 120s from him you know every second week and i think we need to kind of temper our expectations in my opinion i don't really see him going you know much higher than maybe 75 80 for the season so um if the, that's kind of a reason that um alluding to what we were talking about before if you're trying to get guys like this in around like the 200k mark you don't have the money i wouldn't really be getting rid of a you know a david swallow or a, a jared roughhead um that people have been suggesting on the page i think you need to try and look at the rookies that kind of have worked and have work haven't worked so at this stage of the season you're you're fixing a injury or you're fixing a rookie that you messed up so if you've missed out on, say, a Will Hoskin Elliott, a Houston, a March Bank, you need to prioritize what's going to be best for your team. And by changing your structure, by getting rid of one of these other mid-prices that you've um, picked to go up in price and you know have better value, there's really no point in getting out of getting these guys out just to bring in a will hoskin an elliot that isn't going to you know he's not going to set the world on fire for the entire season the next thing i want to really touch on is is will hoskin elliot even the best you know the best option you should be looking at if he averages 76 over you know the next four rounds by round six He's going to make 141k for us, or thereabouts. Their pistol. If you picked a Dan Houston, not only is 100 grand cheaper, but if he averages about 70k, uh, if he, sorry, if he averages about 65 to 70, if he plays those for those four games, he's going to make you the same amount of money, and you don't have to restructure your side. The interesting thing here is job security. Pistol, what's your take on it? Would you be kind of restructuring or going a little bit out of your way to try and get Will Hoskin Elliott because everyone thinks he's you know a, an absolute rookie that is a must-have? Um, if you don't have any options like a McCarthy to trade him to or a Taranto to trade him to, then I probably would just not go too hard for him unless there is you know some other um, mid-price that's failed, maybe a Hrovat or something. He's not. He's definitely got the job security on his side. But if, for example, if I was choosing between him and Butler, I would probably make sure I had Butler just because you're going to get the same amount of cash or more cash, even if he scores a bit uh, worse. It's not even guaranteed that Hoskin Elliott's going to score a lot more than Butler throughout the next couple of rounds. 
And if he does, you're only losing maybe 100 points, but you're making more money and you're upgrading quicker as well. So you probably make that back. I'm not sure it's a be-all and end-all if you can't get Hoskin Elliott. However, he is my pick of the bunch of rookies, probably only behind Marchbank this week. Yeah, it's a, a very good point you make there, particularly Cam McCarthy. I think there was above 10% of uh, teams out there, I think it was even closer to 20% that had Cam McCarthy in there. And that's a very, very good example of someone that I would trade to Will Hoskiller or a, uh, a Matt Kennedy. You know, these are the, the 200K mark that we thought were going to be, you know, safe cash generating options and they you know we've made a mistake it's you know put your hand up say you've made a mistake we need to try and fix it what's the best way to do it with that that's a situation i would go straight to will hoskinelli and not even think about it that's a you know that's a, a very valid option but if i'm downgrading one of my other players just to try and you know because i don't have the cash to go and get him that's when i get a little bit worried um if i had a if I had, say, uh, oh, what's an example? Say, like a Jai Simkin, for example, he, he's out for, you know, three or four weeks even and you don't have a Dan Houston, um, I might be interested in something doing that rather than try and get a Will Hoskin Elliott. Um, it, as you say, uh, March Bank is probably the second one that I'd be looking at because not only are you getting, um, you know, if he averages 77 between now and round six, again, he's making you 110K, but not only that, he's... Um, he's definitely got that, you know, that seagull role in the back line, just taking intercept marks for fun. Um, he he's got an absolutely great role there, Pistol, and he's one that I'd definitely be looking at looking at in the back line if I didn't have him. Yeah, I actually see Marchbank as being good enough as a D6 for a large part of the season. Maybe your final upgrade in your entire team. So he's someone that I think can average between 85 and 90, which uh, is reminiscent of Marcus Adams last year as well. So. He's someone, if you can get him in now, at least you don't have to worry about. That's one back position defender slot you don't have to worry about. Like your, your D6 just is locked away. So it'd be good if you can afford him. If you can't, oh, I'd probably still try and work him in. If you really can't, then don't bother because it's not going to make that much money. He'd just be a, a very solid pick. Okay, say, say you've got um, a, a 200K player or thereabouts and you can kind of work your team around to get a Will Hoskin Elliott or a Caleb Marchbank. Who are you, which one of those two do you think is more necessary for your teams? Because there's a lot of people out there just straight away going Will Hoskin Elliott, not even thinking about Caleb Marchbank. No, I personally would say Marchbank, as I said before, I think um, he'll go further in the back line and, and average enough to be be solid for a large part of the season. As well, you have to consider the rookies. Down back, there's probably two, maybe three coming through, whereas the forward mid-rookies, there's so many of them around, and there's even possibly better options. If you don't have a butler, he's looking fantastic at the moment. He's going to make a lot of money as well. So there's more forward options, I think, than there are back options, like good back options. So um, yeah, he's much bank above Hoskin Elliott for me if I had to choose one of the two of them. What about you? Yeah, no, that's a that's a really good point. Uh, for example, we touched on Harley Ballack um, earlier on the podcast, um, but we don't really have anyone like him in the back line that we can rely on. We've got the Nick Newmans and the guys that are coming through, but not really uh, the scoring potential that we would really be uh, expecting. So Jared Berry uh, put up a really good score in the NEFL, as we've talked about a number of times on this podcast. The NEFL is not a standard that is um, of, say, a VFL or a Sanford or a Waffle standard. So their scores are inflated. 
I don't think that he's going to have the same sort of impact coming straight into an AFL team that is, you know, ranked down towards the bottom of the ladder. It is more likely for me that I think I need to shore up my back line and try and make sure that that's generating as much cash, knowing that I have all you know this plethora of guys that I can rotate through uh, the forward rookies and on the bench and things like that, trying to make money. So for me personally, I would try and get March Bank in if I wasn't already happy with my back line. Say you've got a Joel Smith and you've got a Mitch Hibbert, then you know that answers the question for you. Um, but definitely, I wouldn't be going changing my entire structure and using some deep. PP and this just to get Will Hoskin Elliott. I think there's some better cash generation options. You might make a few more points in the next couple rounds, but you'll definitely make that up later on, having the extra money be able to spend on better premiums rather than having to um, settle for something a little less. What do, you, do you feel about that? Yeah, definitely. And to add to your point, I think it's a bit of uh, risk management. If Otten goes out next week, people might have Smith, Otten and Hibbard, and then you're just in a world of hurt. So uh, Marchbank certainly just shores up that one defender spot, that's what I was trying to say before. And I think that makes a lot of teams uh, much more, just more comfortable on the field, knowing that all their rookies are definitely going to play and you're not going to cop any unexpected zeros, which will just destroy your season right from the beginning. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, We'll jump into captaincy options here, mate. Now, it's getting a little bit of one of those situations where it's just like, let's try and find someone that isn't danger or let's find someone that isn't gone. Let's find someone just for fun. Let's just go Rocky this week or let's go Tom Mitchell or, you know, Ablett's probably going to have a good week. Should we even be trying to find a VC and then give us the option to try and pick between our VC score and captaining danger? Well, I think uh, here's time for the... The new section, my own section. You've got to ask yourself a question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? Welcome to Pistol's new segment. Uh, Mate, very, very good initiative by you that you are finding it a little bit difficult not having your own little intro there, mate. Um, (laughs) You've got, uh, do you feel lucky? And you're going to try and find something left field every week that we haven't thought about. What is the one this week pertaining to Dangerfield, mate? <laughs> so I was thinking every single week everyone says, who's your VC or, or C option? And Dangerfield is always one of your VC and C options. Now, if you were to put your C on Dangerfield and you were trying to guess your VC, what score are you really willing to take to not risk it uh, on, on Dangerfield? I think most people say... If it's about 130, you probably take it. But even if it's 130, Dangerfield is averaging 139. So even then, you're, you're losing points. If I mean, Dangerfield's capable of getting above 200, which has gone 229 in the past. So at any one week, Dangerfield could always beat whatever VC option you're doing. So I was thinking, what is the point? There is no point in putting your VC on anyone else except for Dangerfield. And then if Dangerfield does badly you get a leg up on everyone else because everyone's doing a VC into Dangerfield and you're gaining, you know, 40 points or so if he only scores 100 and you nail your captain option. So I'm just going to be looking at options uh, where Dangerfield is a VC and trying to find captain options that play after him because really you're always pretty much going to be, should I take it, should I not take it um, when you're around that 120, 130 mark and chances are you're going to be losing points if you do take it because Dangerfield, as I said, is averaging 139 so there's not much to gain from it and you're probably better off um, instead of if you take a 160 and Dangerfield gets 140 okay, you've made 20 points but chances are well, there's a week Dangerfield is going to get 105 
there's going to be, you know, 50,000 people that have locked the captain on him. You may as well try and um, risk it on someone else who's averaging 120, maybe a Pendlebury if he plays after. And then you've you've gained points back that way. So I'm thinking now that the safest option, especially if you're doing well overall, is actually not doing someone into Dangerfield. It's doing Dangerfield VC. So two points that I've taken out of that is that our general rule of 120 some people go by 130 as a VC option is acceptable, right? So you're saying now that we have Dangerfield that we can have as a perma-captain, that has all changed. If you've got Dangerfield on your team, your new standard is 140 minimum for a VC. Would you agree with that? Pretty much, I would agree with that. I would take anything above 30, but I would still be scared that Dangerfield is going to beat it. I think he went at like... 15 weeks above 140 average last year. So we know he's capable of holding this average for a long period of time. And it's not really a two-game sample size given majority of last season. And worst-case scenario is you pick, uh, say, Pendles. He went 132. You're like, yeah, happy with that VC. And then Dangerfield does his 129 like he had against North last week. And then like that's a whole bunch of points that you're missing out on. But doing Dangerfield VC into someone not only kind of gives you that option to um, bank a high VC score and then you can be happy with it and then say, okay, Dangerfield got 120 or 130. Okay, that's that's my normal VC score. I'm happy with it. Because you don't have that captaincy option that can go the 140s, the 150s on a regular basis where you have to consider whether you take that 130 VC score. But if there was any week that it was that might happen... His last three against Melbourne, he's only averaging 116. His last three at Eddie had where they play, he's only averaging 116. Yes, it is danger, and he's had a brilliant start to the year, but what better way to, to test this out on a week that he statistically doesn't necessarily perform as well as he does to at other grounds and against other teams? It's a great option for you to stick a VC on him this week and, and look at someone um, someone like uh, uh, Dane Beams that played quite well last week in case Danger does not go as well as expected, Pistol. Yeah, that's exactly right. You've pretty much summarized everything I said uh, more clearly and concisely than I, than I could. So <laughs> thank you for doing that. But uh, to further prove your point, um, Tom Mitchell, if you look at... Um, Lahug's captains this week. He's predicting about 135 or so for uh, Titch. He's averaging monster swords against Gold Coast in the past. He loves playing at Metricon as well. So uh, Titch plays last in the round. So you may as well go Dangerfield into Titch or a Dangerfield into Beams. Uh, I should say, do you know what um, Beams scores generally at Etihad and also against uh, St Kilda? Um, so against St Kilda, he averages 138 across his last three, 144, 126, 144. His last three at Eddie had 105, 104, 111. Um, he started the, the season well. Like he had that first round where he was best on, uh, but kind of faded in the last quarter. Uh, last week he was fantastic against Essendon again, faded into the last quarter, just getting that fitness back. He loves playing the Saints. Saints basically have no midfield this week. Armitage and Stephen are both out. That's something we actually um, forgot to mention was Jack Stephen is uh, Jack Steele is going to get a lot more mid-time this week, so that should only help his scores. Um, but back to Beams, he's a, a, a definitely one that we could look at on the Sunday as a captaincy option. Um, if, da- if Danger doesn't put up the one... 130s, 140s that we're expecting, he's definitely one that I'd be more than happy to chuck a C on and feel confident that I'm getting a 100-plus score. 
Yeah, we should mention as a disclaimer, you, if you are using uh, Sternadicca as your Fremantle <laughs> vice captain <laughs> loophole option, I think you need to be aware that at the end of the Geelong game, you have a very small window, like less than half an hour, um, to check Dangerfield's score and then put your captaincy on your R3 loophole option. Otherwise, you're going to be just taking Dangerfield score because it will lock out as Fremantle play at 7.40 and the Geelong game starts at 4.35 and ends at around 10 past 7. So um, there is a small time frame. So make sure you don't forget, hopefully, or maybe not hopefully, if Pickett or Barrett are out, then you get another loophole option on the Sunday and you don't have to stress about it. Yeah, I think I'd rather <laughs> I'd rather have Pickett and, and Barrett getting another game in that aspect. But um, worst case scenario, you you will have someone else to, to chuck the captaincy op- option on to, to keep Danger's VC score. Um, but it's just definitely one to think about, Pistol. Certainly. And yeah, so for those listening, I'll be doing... Uh, VC Danger C Beams, please don't copy me, copy me, Paul, because I know we're playing each other in a league this week. <laughs> Maybe I'll just release this one a little bit later so he doesn't have time to listen to it. <laughs> that would be great. Thanks. <laughs> All right, so that pretty much wraps up another podcast for this Thursday night. Fantastic talking to you again. Always a pleasure, Chizo. And um, thanks, everyone, for listening and for your donations to the Cancer Council. Really appreciate it. Yeah, if you do appreciate uh, the podcast and do find some enjoyment in it, um, do consider going to iTunes and giving us a review because it makes it easier for other coaches to find us and and, uh, expand our our community and and get more talking about fantasy footy. and uh, don't forget, we've got the, the Supercoach Fantasy Rings pistol. I've actually, uh, it's been delivered. The uh, the Dr. Supercoach Keeper League, which we'll be doing a podcast on soon to talk about that. The uh, the ring has turned up. So uh, very, very excited to uh, talk about that in the next couple of weeks. Mate, I'm going to check off. I'll uh, talk to you over the weekend. Always a pleasure. And uh, looking forward to talking next time. Good luck, community. Stiff penis.